Hello, welcome to the Design Assembly podcast. Um, today's podcast is slightly different to our usual. Instead of Louise interviewing, it'll be myself, Lindsay Yi, interviewing. A little bit of introduction about myself. I've been involved as Design Assembly for since 2009, I think, just graduating as a graphic designer and have designed, organized, done random little things, set up chairs, moved people around, stayed at the door, <laughs> put up banners, and just general kind of in-between stuff. Yeah, so this interview, I'll be interviewing Louise, and we'll be talking a little about a design assembly, um, her history and whatnot. I, this is kind of weird, but welcome, Louise. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. I just thought it'd be quite nice for everyone to kind of get insight into your background, because it's uh, interesting to have uh, you talk and interview people, but it's it's nice to hear from the other side. So I thought start off just like any kind of like design some interview, but talk about early life, entering into art, design, um, events, education, like what first got you interested in design and then kind of like how did that branch into kind of all those spaces? All right. Well, I'll start at the beginning and, you know, feel free to interject and, and stop me if I kind of waffle on and on. But a little bit about kind of my background, where I come from. So, yeah, my name's Louise Kellerman. Uh, my father, Arnold Kellerman, is from Hungary and came here in 1956 at the age of three during the communist um, uprising as a refugee. My mother, uh, Barbara Kellerman, is um, English. She's from Southport in England. Uh, my dad grew up here in New Zealand, um, but very much kind of in a Hungarian community, speaking Hungarian at home. And uh, because of that, felt kind of, I think, quite isolated. And years later, when I asked him about it, I explained why he'd never um, kind of, you know, spoke to us in Hungarian, that he wanted us to really integrate into um, New Zealand culture. Um, so at the age of 18, he left New Zealand again and uh, went to the UK and, and tr trained there in a leather tannery and met oh, my wow. mother. So, yeah, he um, always had that kind of background as well, I think, in terms of broader arts and creativity in terms of that learning that trade and um, then later uh, establishing and owning his own business in which he dyed leather and vinyl shoes for special occasions in, in the wedding industry. Yeah, so he trained there in the UK and, and met my mother and and um, brought her back here to live in New Zealand. And, you know, when I've asked her in the past about whether she thought she was kind of just coming for a holiday or forever, it was, you know, just that it was an, ad an adventure, really. She'd um, never really left um, the UK before that. Yeah, so I'm a first-generation New Zealander. Do you think that the being of Hungarian descent has influenced much on design practice or kind of cultural kind of things? I don't think so. Um, I was thinking about this the other day and, you know, wondering if it's time for me to kind of delve more into that part of my heritage, right, and and look at learning some Hungarian language. It's uh, one of the hardest languages in the world to learn. Um, yeah. But but my two daughters are incredibly interested in it and engaging with their um, with their popper in this respect. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of brought that up again. I mean, there there is kind of cultural practice of... Um, handcrafts and embroidery that's quite large within Hungary yeah, okay. so there's kind of that aspect alongside my father having that kind of background though you know my mother worked as a teacher 
Um, and she was also always kind of the, the art teacher and she's always had okay. yeah, a, a practice throughout her life of, of art and art and craft, you know, anything from making puppets when she was at teacher's training college <laughs> uh, <laughs> through to um, quilting, scrapbooking, and her latest is um, rock painting. But, you know, always that that um, practice there and that passion. And and then, you know, now my father in his um, later years, he, he self-taught himself the guitar and the piano, um, and he also has a painting practice of his own. So, it's kind of now when you start to kind of look back on, you know, where's this this interest come from? It's you realize that that um, that kind of need to create and make is um, present in, in both yeah. of, my, of my parents. Yeah, it's also probably a space to unpack some of the kind of like the learnings and space of like oh, there's some there's some identity and some kind of missed spaces to kind of unpack and and, and fill spaces of like I don't know creative spaces that you might have within like you're talking about those like kind of little uh, crafts and stuff that could be quite a, a quite nice place to explore yeah well I mean that's you know definitely what took me to studying design in the first place um I mean it's interesting to look at because you know as a child I always enjoyed art and then you have that instance where you're told you're good at something and and you kind of wonder though sometimes whether you followed this pathway because you've been told you're good at it so you you feel like pursuing it or whether yeah. it, it is that that passion but you know I, I studied art all the way through high school art history and then you know um, graphic design in my kind of last year and, and was, it, was the graphic designer kind of like graphics one or like you know there's that technical drawing combined where had a, they'd had you did the things with the T squares and the set squares yeah. and I don't know I feel like you know kind of when I was at high school I was still probably slightly put off that as a as a subject for boys um so it was graphic design that I took but you know in hindsight that would have been a great um topic for me to and subject for me to have studied but there were a lot of quite you know, old-fashioned teachers still that wore their socks, kind of pulled up with shorts, and <laughs> and I and you know, I still remember being yelled at and told to get out of the computer lab and in my final year of high school because you weren't allowed in there unsupervised. So, you know, a lot's changed uh, in the dare I say uh, twenty plus years since I was at high school. But I mean, I assume a lot's changed in the well, how many years? Like twelve? No, way more than twelve. I'm talking about. 17 years that I've been out of high school yeah yeah <laughs> but I don't know you know what led me to study graphic designers as, as a um as a degree I, I did apply for art school but I think it was kind of that idea and concept that I could have you know a career or a job in this that yeah. led that led me to to that I mean uh, <clears throat> one funny story infamous story is that in actual fact even though I was told I was kind of the, the best in the class in graphic design in my final year, submitted my boards and then arrived home from the big day out to my results. And, and um, I actually got a D, a D for design, I say. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, I don't really know what happened there, but um, luckily I'd already been for interviews, taken my portfolio and, and been accepted so I could, um, you know, start at AUT that year and, a bachelor of graphic design but um in terms of applying for art school what kind of um what kind of art were you kind of looking at doing what was it just kind of like a okay this is a general kind of pathway that people could kind of find out a subject on the way there 
Yeah, definitely a generalist pathway. I I don't think I really had any idea of the variety of what I could go into in terms of art, but I've always been drawn to um, painting as a medium and, um, you know, kind of kept that kind of practice up throughout kind of my early 20s um, before I travelled and and had children. And I guess the nice thing um, about this latest lockdown in, in Auckland is that I've actually picked up the brush again and, and found that time and space to commit to um, a regular practice, which has, you know, resulted in being able to... You should, um, <laughs> we should see this stuff. You should just start an Instagram <laughs> of your painting and there's like a place where you can just like... Because potentially paintings, these could be, you know, stored away in boxes and then they've forgotten yeah. about, but it's quite nice to be able to share them on a space and just have them, even as your, a visual record for yourself for the private yeah. space. Well, the way I've ta- kind of tackled it is to give myself... I guess kind of a brief and a deadline, right? So it's um, this first painting is um, for good friends of ours that have recently moved into a new home. So it's a landscape painting of of their favourite um, place within New Zealand. Um, and that's what I used to paint with landscapes. See, when you talk about visual things on a audio-only medium, people really want to see those things. Like, <laughs> so there has to be an outlet for it. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready. <laughs> Maybe I need a few more up my sleeve. Yeah, but back on the school, I was like, sorry, mm-hmm. I'm going to interrupt you, but was there any kind of like teachers or um, large influences that you remember still? Like, are there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, at high school in particular, I had uh, an art teacher called um, Kevin Passmore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was just, you know, he was just so supportive and encouraging to all of the students and really ignited that um, that passion um, within me for the practice. Uh, and then, you know, I'm, I think that was in my sixth form year and unfortunately he uh, left to go on sabbatical. So it kind of left me on a bit of a, on a bit of a cliff there and really, but yeah, remember him to this day in terms of um, my degree program, uh, definitely Welby Ings, Dr. Welby Ings. And um, I'm fortunate enough that I've, you know, kept in touch with him over the years. And and I feel that we kind of have somewhat of a professional friendship. You know, usually I'll check in with him kind of once a year and, and go and have a cup of tea with him in his office and kind of call it a bit of a couch session, really. So, um, yeah, he's been hugely influential. Um, he just really pushed us again, you know, and throughout the degree program. And we were lucky to have him, and you know, from our first year and constantly challenging, you know, your outputs and your ideas and, and pushing you in new directions. Um, took that through my whole degree program, really. So, so to, speaking on like um, design education and education, uh, you've taught a bit at AUT. Did you want to talk a little bit about I don't know, they're kind of like what drew you to education? Is there still a draw there? What kind of spaces you think need to be taught in um, design education? Well, I think my teaching was, I'd probably call it more facilitating uh, and, all, and kind of connecting people um, in terms of the professional practice papers and, and bringing industry in to talk to students and, and teach. But I think that's something that I think is very important and specifically in you know the field of design where it's it can as a practical um job as well is bringing in people who are working in in the professional community um so that students have access to that and hopefully having tutors that have some aspect of a practice within the professional community as well which which can be challenging you know I know that 
um, they have a huge workload from uh, teaching through to, you know, pastoral care of their students, um, administration, management, and most of the schools having to um, produce research, research outputs as well. So, you know, I realise that's a big ask to then ask them to put, you know, professional kind of work in there or, or self-directed work in there. But, uh, you know, hopefully a lot of the time that's what they're doing with their um, research as well yeah. as kind of crossing over. So I think that's um, quite important. And kind of why I was kind of mentioning this about, because it kind of leads quite nicely in terms of the idea of um, facilitating professional practice with what Design Assembly is doing in kind of workshop forms and kind of the speaker series and whatnot. And that it's just, you know, this is a continuation of that idea of like, okay, uh, I'm here for further education, but it's all, it's the facilitation of professionals. And in the case of the schools, it's, it's with students, but I suppose in, this, in the professional world, it's just professionals with other professionals. Yeah, I mean, really what you've hit on there is uh, my kind of core purpose, which is, well, boils down to one word, um, connection. And, um, you know, that was, that's something that I think, you know, was always, when I look back, it's always in there in terms of what I like to do and, and what I'm good at, you know, looking back to my role on the student executive at, at, the, at high school, and that's exactly what I did. But it wasn't till kind of maybe five or so years ago that I um, read a book that was um, recommended by um, Johnson McKay at Fly Creative, uh, yep. which is a bit, which it's a business book. And I suppose that speaks to the direction I was heading in, in terms of learning more about like running an organization and, and all of those kind of things. And so, and that's a book called um, The E-Myth Revisited. So it's a, a book that looks into um, the fact that a lot of people enter into owning their own business as um, a technician. And then you have to take on the skills of a manager, but then also kind of, play into that entrepreneurial space but a number of the worksheets that you could download for free one of them was looking at this um, idea of identifying your core purpose and asking you a lot of different questions in terms of you know what you like to do what you don't like to do what your values are um, you know really broad and and I um, took some time over a weekend to um, run through this worksheet and it, and it all boiled down to this one word of connection yeah and it was this re real kind of light bulb moment, really, because it spoke to me not only of my enjoyment of connecting people with each other, but um, in a an more abstract way, connecting ideas. Um, and, so, and that's kind of like the other thing that I love to do in terms of gathering information from whatever so um, sources in the world and, and, yeah. then, and then having those, uh, you know, quiet moments to um, form those connections. And so that really enabled me to kind of go, oh, this is why I'm doing design assembly in terms of, yeah, connecting all the different people in the design community, you know, from students in the schools, yeah, to okay. the professional community, peers with each other, older practitioners with younger practitioners. Um, and then I think also in terms of that, you know, the content within the events and the workshops in person and, and online in terms of the, the connecting the dots it's quite a, it's, it's quite a common occurrence within people's professional life to have either mid-career or early career changes because I suppose you, you were set on a path quite early on with education and then you realise that, that maybe this isn't for you. I heard someone quote recently about the idea of a midlife crisis is spending your whole life climbing a ladder to reach the top of the ladder to realise that you've been climbing the wrong ladder your whole time. But 
coming to that realization much earlier is kind of like a, a pretty great thing to be able to do. Um, and and it's is quite common in design considering also how kind of young in industry it is and how few roles there are in kind of senior spaces. But um, I was probably backing it up a little bit, but um, talking about your history in design, kind of um, what kind of work uh, did you do prior to doing design assembly? Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. I was quite young entering into that tertiary study space. I was turned 18 in the March that I started um, and went straight into the degree program. So I started working in Auckland when I was 21. Yeah, I was thinking about this and reflecting on this ahead of our um, catch-up today. And I worked at a company called Matthew Hart Design, which later rebranded to the Hart Department. That was a small studio that sat um, within a collective called 2020 Design Group in a big villa on Ponsonby Road opposite, is it the long room? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that must have seemed like like the dream though, right? It was, it was. Ponsonby, well, right actually, in the cafes and shops. Um, I should actually say before that though, I did, my first job actually was at North and South Magazine for oh, okay. a few months, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think, it's hard for most of us to get that first break. So, you know, it took me six months of, of looking for that first job. And then I took that the one that wanted me um, because you need that experience. And it's North, North and South is a big, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a big icon of like New Zealand magazine publishing. I guess so. But I, I suppose it was just always that dream of working um, in a studio and doing a variety of work. Yeah. So yeah. Then when, um, Matthew Hart kind of called me up and after a few months and I'd actually done my work experience for him the, the year prior. Um, I jumped at that chance. So, um, yeah, I worked with uh, Matthew for over three years and, you know, we yeah, we had a huge variety of clients from um, fashion labels like Moontide and Line 7 um, through to um, wine labels and then kind of more corporate um, clients. But what I was really given there was um, someone who saw, yeah, what I was good at and um, enjoyed doing. And it wasn't so much kind of in the desi design space, but more, in, I think, in that kind of account management role from early on. So, you know, I, I like I, I kind of, I sat next to the boss and very quickly I was, um, put in charge of of not only doing the design but managing those client relationships which is often a responsibility of like the senior designer like yeah. often juniors won't even get to email the the, um, the actual client yeah and, I, and it's funny to think that you know I was kind of between 22 and and um 25 um and I really you know I really enjoyed that and thrived in that um and I think you know that's where I gave the studio a lot back and, and been given that responsibility. Um, following that, I um, went and did the OE thing and lived yep. over in London. And I mean, you know, as I've said, mum being from England and my father from um, Hungary, there was also a pull there to spend time with family and, and explore that. So um, I spent kind of three years living and working there. Had some quite funny jobs, like working in a studio within a print printing company, Yep. kind of doing my time in England before I could um, go for kind of meteor roles. But I think by that stage, I'd realised that I was there to um, travel and kind of experience life. So I didn't 
Yeah, um, well, it's, yeah. it's a very classic New Zealand kind yeah. of thing to do. Yeah. Everyone so. from accountants to design people to advertising people had to give it a give it a jam so yeah I, I went to the other side of the fence and worked in-house corporate which just really wasn't there wasn't a lot around of that and um you know that was really interesting to do and and working in some really old um establishments within London I think the Rothschild bank and Maybe we uh, that. <laughs> no that was pretty interesting yeah but um you know I knew that was something well, I felt that was something I wouldn't do when I came back to New Zealand, so it was good to explore that um, that in-house world. Um, yeah, came back to New Zealand and worked uh, with a friend who I'd been to uni with, Sean Lee, at his design studio, uh, Lee Tawal. I guess kind of uh, their ethos was like design for good, really, so um, that was um, a really nice studio to work within in terms of the projects and the um, studio culture. And then I did um, a little bit of time at um, Sanders Design. But, yeah, I still kind of had this feeling that there wasn't, this was 2008, and it kind of had been bugging me for a while that there wasn't a community that was specifically for graphic designers in New Zealand. So that's really what kind of drove me and um, to kind of get a few friends together who are also designers and kind of um, yeah. spitball this this idea. So, yeah, so I guess that, that that brings us into the setting up of Design Assembly. And, yeah, I, I guess what I want to talk about there is that kind of like, I suppose you've covered like the initial kind of like reasons why you were doing it um, because it, it, there wasn't a space for people to kind of talk about graphic design specifically. What what dates are we talking about? Like what, what, was there a first event where you say Design Assembly started? Was there an incorporation of some, some kind of like? There was um, August 2008 where I registered the name yep. and um, I think the first event was was either August or um, September 2008 and at AUT University being alumni I guess it was easy for me to get the space there and the initial concept of not actually having graphic designers talk about their work but um, a few people talk about interesting stuff or topics um, that may feed graphic designers practice yeah. Um, and resulting conversations from that. And there are still a few of the kind of quite early talks actually on the Design Assembly Vimeo that people can watch <laughs> and listen to. Um, is it is it available to be linked on the Design Assembly website? Is there like a, a little icon there? Is there? Uh, I don't think there is. But there's a good in point. Easy way, in an easy way. Easy way. Make it easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was that was kind of the inception and you know, 80 people turned up and that was definitely with some help from, um, you know, people that I respected in the industry that I'd contacted, like uh, Kate Alexander, who were like, yeah, this is great. This is, you know, we need this and, and really um, got behind helping me get it up and running. And and I kind of thought, okay, actually, maybe I'm onto something here. It's kind of that 10-year point into my career and it was something that I enjoyed doing, something that I was good at. And um, I think there was an opportunity there uh, with an intersection of, you know, people in our community wanting to get together and connect, but also some of those digital tools, like the early days of Twitter, you know, they really did help yeah. to kind of get um, gather people together um, yeah. and not online, but in person. Well, yeah, I remember the early days of Twitter seemed great. Like you'd be able to throw out so many opinions and it was kind of like a quite an interesting network of people out there. I mean, Twitter's become such a, I mean, it still has those kind of elements to it, but like Twitter's become such a different um, thing. Like it felt like, like 
most of the New Zealand design industry was on Twitter. It was, yeah. it was quite a design Twitter space. And um, we had tweet-ups. <laughs> okay. So they were like, you know, someone would um, put out a call on Twitter to be like, hey, let's get together for a tweet-up. So, <laughs> you know, I met um, a number of people um, through these tweet-ups. Um, it was quite funny. I was going to say, talk about a little bit of my back, but it was like, it's not overly important, but saying how I got into DA, but... I remember because I, when I was a student, I was remember writing. I was really into Armin Witt's brand new and like writing reviews and stuff. I had a random blog post that I used to do with like comparing, like, "Hey, here's the new Meta Fresh logo," and trying to find out who did it, and then writing a little bit of opinion on it. it which which randomly people talked to me about it and like, "Oh yeah, has there some traction in that?" Yeah. And like, I remember reading that. Like, I remember reading that. You used to be that person. I was like, "Oh, okay." Anyway, anyway, but someone I think someone saw that and like got in contact, and I started writing some stuff for Design Assembly. I think I saw that. I think, um, yeah, I can't, I'm, I think I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I'd come across. I just don't even and, know how people yeah. come across that. Blog. No. Like, it doesn't say, how did even people find that? I don't know. Like, yeah. I was just to kind of talk about some highlights and um, design assembly events that you have, like are there any kind of events that stick out. Cause I have a couple in my mind that I. Mm. Yeah. I mean, kind of like when you're working on any kind of project and I guess I think of every event, as kind of a separate little project in itself in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, in terms of that kind of creative process as well, you're kind of going along and you're like, oh, oh, oh I don't want to do it. Oh, is anyone going to come? Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. And then, you know, there's always this moment within the events where, where I'm like, yes, this is why I do it. And, you know, some classic ones are the first time we had um, a dance-off situation at the... Oh, yeah. Auckland um, design pub quiz and you know that that's just really what you know I'll get out of bed and do for for free time and time again is just those those moments where it's that pure moments of connection and fun and you know my kind of personal ethos is is it's about having a laugh with friends and that's that's on a personal level but also on a kind of professional design community level it's um yeah. Getting together with with our friends of design, hence the name DA friends, and like as a tribe, really, we're like to kind of nerd out and connect about the stuff that we just love as visual uh, designers. I haven't thought about this, but the designers, designers here, pop kind of the, the vibe of it is quite like like having a dance off. I mean, we've had there's been a move off, so the move can be quite chaotic. But I was thinking about it as like. The, the vibe is very similar to the the news. I don't know if you watched the New Zealand Taskmaster show, but it's yeah. like it's like oh man, this is this is actually the vibe of this. Yeah, and maybe that speaks a little bit, uh, you know, kind of to to myself and my personality, and gives you an insight there. Yeah, yeah. I'm you know I'm a, I'm a bit silly really, and uh, you know the office that I work in with Design Assembly, it's a it's a co space, and there's kind of three or four of us in here at any one time, and um, I've worked with um, Kim and Carol for like eight, nine years now, and they're like I call them my work wives. So that's, that's you know that that's the the kind of some of my values, I guess, and and the the vibe and the feeling that I want to put into my everyday life and and what I see as important. So that I think then shows up in design assembly. So because so um, some of the events that I kind of stick out in my mind, but one of the first ones, well, the first event I went to was one of the kind of interview mixes things, but. Um, I remember an event where Catherine Griffiths talked about some work she had, I think somewhere in Europe, maybe, I can't remember, but I, I remember it being 
a really nice talk. And then I remember Nick Fracture talked about building a bike that would be part of the one of the downhill things in the domain. And it was just like, mm. wow, oh, what, yeah, what a kind was... of like incredible mix of like design work that you can go from this one space to this other space. Mm. Um, and it's not really what I could consider. Well, none of those was that what you would consider core practice graphic design stuff of like um, a commercial designer that most people were there. Like it's just not a, a, designing a piece of packaging or designing a brand for something. And I was like, oh, there's so much, there's so much ex- expanse for design to be. Yeah, I think that was a, uh... It was an event held at Art Space on Karanga Happy Road, and I remember it being quite. It must have been like heading towards summer or coming towards the end of summer because we had like you know all of the kind of extra mats on the ground, and it was quite warm. And I think was that also? Oh, that might have been a separate event there where um, Tana Mitchell had kind of returned from uh, living and working in Germany and talk, and was talking about kind of her experiences as well. Yeah, another highlight that also, um, which is a different time to design, but when we were working on um, Urbis Design Day thing, and <laughs> um, incredibly, our uh, sponsor <laughs> went into receivership while we were um, doing the work. But yeah, that I mean, that stands out because, A, a because I got to be part of art directing with um, Laura Sibilic of Run, and yeah, and it was, you know, quite a bit more responsibility in terms of design role for a thing. And but, but thinking about that as a design experience, but also what was such a kind of like chaotic time to kind of like be doing a thing and then suddenly saying there's no money for it and then it's not happening, but then, it, then someone's finding money for it and then it kind of happening in the kind of very, very lo-fi 15 pieces of core flute kind of way. And it was uh, it was about defining your personality by <laughs> yeah, type, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. Um, that was a great opportunity and I think that's an example of you know where Nathan Inkpen from AGM Publishing yes that's his real last name (laughs) love it um you know kind of came to me and I thought yeah well this is great but you know my strengths aren't in design and kind of art direction so I'm going to pull on on this kind of team of um, designers who have been so supportive and you know behind design assembly to see if they want to collaborate on this project and yeah, putting you guys into those those roles where um, your passion lay and, and um, seeing the team come together, that was, yeah, that was lots of fun. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a cool it was a cool team of people because I suppose a lot of those core people around that were people who were already turning up to the events and kind of being in that kind of group, which would be nice. Like, I feel like a lot about who are those kind of people now and um, what am I trying to do to empower those people um, mm. to, to have more say in our industry, which is something I, I think I really need to start working more on. But anyway, I think it's worth probably talking more about um, where you see Design Assembly now, like what, what 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 kind of spaces, what kind of events are coming up, what kind of events have been happening in lockdown, how that's impacted kind of the space, and your thoughts around um, stuff right, right, right at the present time in this kind of like level three Auckland. Over time, um, Design Assemblies evolved and grown and and I thought okay well let's give this a go and and make it kind of my full-time thing you know for a long time I'd been doing other design work and kind of more like design management and art working alongside it and and then also at the same time I'm uh, my two daughters Isabel's nearly 12 and Paige's nine cut forward to today and and the vision for design assembly is to be the the home of Aotearoa New Zealand design and that's about supporting all designers on their, you know, individual 
lives in design. And that really harks back, I think, to myself as a 21-year-old female graduate. And I couldn't see myself in this community. And so I really wanted to take that, build on that. And, you know, it's for everyone to see themselves as part of this community. Um, And so that word home like very much speaks to that as well and that it's it's a place that you can be yourself um everyone's welcome uh you can have those relation you know brother sister kind of peer-to-peer relationships those mentoring relationships and so that's very much you know like what I was come back to in terms of you know where, where's design assembly going what where are we going to go next it's for the whole of Aotearoa New Zealand as well so it's that program of events in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch and um, Hamilton, hopefully next year, um, Whanganui. Whanganui's come on board as a design assembly school partner, which is exciting. And yeah, so expanding that program in terms of those points of connection and ongoing learning in person for the country, but also, yeah, online, you know, that's been a huge opportunity in the last 18 months. And it you know, it's forced so many people online um, and definitely design assembly. So now we have um, regular online events, which obviously people can connect to from anywhere. And uh, what, kind then, of, what kind of events are they being or looking to be like? like as yeah, as yeah. Well, um, you know, we tried a few things and people um, definitely are keen to kind of to hop online to uh, see a bit of a walkthrough a project and get that opportunity to um, interact actually in quite an intimate way, I think, with the designers and ask questions and actually have them answered. So the Under the Hood series is that um, look through a project and, and process and, and hopefully like stuff that has worked and hasn't worked in, that, in quite a candid way. And then last year we did try some kind of more panel events, panel style events. But it's, I think this last, um, you know, lockdown in New Zealand and then the ongoing um, kind of like level four and level three in Auckland, people are pretty fatigued. And uh, luckily the um, design community is really buoyant and, and a lot of studios are quite busy with work. But, you know, once you've done your work and you've been online for that long, um, I'm finding that people... They want to hop offline, yeah. um, and um, and you know get some refuel in other ways. So, I think the online events that work work are kind of are easy to like tune into, and like are kind of you're going to learn stuff. They're interesting. You'll learn about people, but they're kind of easy to to digest. Um, I mean, but then having said that, we have tried now the webinar format in the last two months. And we we'd just been talking about that um, before this lockdown. So that was a you know an awesome way to trial that. Um, and we had really great engagement. And how do how do you feel like the webinar format def- like makes it more engaging than having a traditional kind of like um under the hood um, kind of space? Yeah, I mean, you know, the webinar is for people who are like, oh yeah, I I, I want to upskill in this particular area. It's quite, you know, quite pointy. Uh, and or it's like kind of an introduction to a topic. So you're not having to to, um, invest as much uh, money as an in-person longer workshop. You know, we've just done them over lunchtime and they've kind of been like an hour and a half um, rather than, you know, kind of three and a half hours. So there's a lower um, barrier to entry there. And, you know, that. so we're just taking that at the moment and looking at how we're going to put that into the program next year 
But, you know, so one of the things we'd like to try is taking the in-depth workshop and extrapolating that over a number of weeks so that you get that in-depth learning. Maybe you go away and do some homework, maybe engage with your your peers on a platform. But it's just balancing out the two and and then, you know, making sure there's those in-person opportunities when it's right for it to be in person and yep. um and then like evaluating like oh well this can be online um but, yeah but that, that is also quite hard as well because it, you know like what you're talking about like screen fatigue zoom fatigue and just like yeah kind of, kind of general um yeah so it's it's you know just trying lots of different things getting that feedback from the community and what they want what they need um just getting all those inputs and to yeah, find find that way forward really in terms of the shape of the program for next year. I mean, I'm very much, you know, still planning to hold, hold the in, um, in-person events and have that plan, you know, as everyone does now to to go online or um, pivot when you need to. Yeah, I, I guess what I was getting at with that kind of thing is like, is it's kind of like interesting to gauge how hard I mean, the, the, the in-person talk last year, kind of a lot of people did talk about how hard it was for their business and how hard it was on them personally in terms of being in, in lockdown and away from their team and whatnot. And how like has how has that affected design assembly? Is, is like it, it's kind of like rather than having that platform of talking about those people of, of how they affected them, what what is the effect of design assembly? Like, do you feel like it's been quite a big hit to kind of the numbers of people engaging and stuff or it's been fine or um yeah I mean you know like a lot of people I kind of took that spreadsheet and wiped it clean yeah um just to see what was going to come but um you know design assemblies is I guess it's it's established over 10 years now so there's um there's that there's kind of that that trust in, in it really in the platform and you know it was Back in March, April 2020, it was emailing people, calling people and and asking them, you know, what was going on for them and and what did they need and, you know, taking kind of a week or two to kind of think about that and then, yeah, quickly getting online to support the community to share, like, how it was going for everyone, Um, whether that was on, like, you know, recorded video chats or the interview series um, surveying the community um, and, you know, then taking all of that and um, di- um, doing a deeper dive in, into the into some kind of critique and essay writing around kind of the whole time and COVID's impact in the industry. And, and, I th- and it just really, I guess, I don't know, the work kind of that we did last year just kind of paid off in a way. And, and you know, I feel really thankful that the community really needed what we were doing and appreciated it and enjoyed it and you know I've had some really great feedback in that respect so you know design assembly kind of came out stronger for it really we were able to go forward into 2021 you know I didn't really to be honest it's you know design assembly is a very small organization it's myself you know usually one or two kind of um, part-timers and um, people that host in the different cities so I was fully for prepared for it not to make it through but um yeah it did and and we've had more support than ever this year from the community so yeah that's great it's really yeah it's really great to know that kind of you know what I'm doing is appreciated and needed and can keep you know forging a path forward into the next year and think about the direction and 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 the program 
Yeah. Okay. So that leads very easily and nicely into the future of design assembly and what what kind of initiatives yeah. and kind of programs are, are happening um, in the near future and in the long term future. Oh, you know, in the near future, it's like I definitely want to. I just want the community to kind of like get together in person and and um, be social and have a good time and just kind of like let it all hang out, really. So you know, that definitely. I think can happen in Wellington and Christchurch and yeah, fingers yeah. crossed for Auckland. So, you know, I just want to kind of like put on a, put on a bit of a social good time for our community in that respect. And then kind of looking forward uh, like into next year in the medium term, it's um, yeah, this time of the year is kind of, you know, when I'm looking at the strategic direction and, and planning the program. So as I said, it's like further integrating more online activity with the in-person um, yeah, and expanding to some um, different regions of New Zealand. Further looking to put that um, mirror in front of the community and and get that um, get that diversity of practice, of gender, of culture out there, so that you know more young New Zealanders um, see themselves in this community. So. Uh, you know, a lot of um, people that I've talked to this year, you know, that's what they're interested in. So it's starting to do some kind of research into um, how we can enable, you know, more diversity of um, young people and diversity of thought into um, our professional community. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, that's, that's my whole angle has always been that, that, that kind of perspectives are always needed, especially with something like graphic design where it's been taught and and. <laughs> And kind of like judged in such a specific angle. Did you want to talk about any of the kind of initiatives that Design Assembly has had in place and um, what the future of those kind of elements are going to be? In terms of like outputs? Well, outputs uh, or? well no, I'm talking specifically about one relatively controversial kind of space of New Zealand archive for design. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ka toy toy. So, yeah, we were really um, fortunate to receive funding at the beginning of this year from Creative New Zealand to pilot uh, Ka Toi Toi, the Aotearoa Design Archive, as a project. So Nicole Phillips um, partnered with me on that project and we had, um, you know, a really great team of people from the beginning kind of feed into that whole process, you know. Yeah, um, did you want to go through a little bit about the kind of process of... Yeah, yeah, I mean, from the beginning, you know, I wanted it to be a, a, um, a wide range of people so that it was always a community project. It wasn't my project, um, so we, I talked to Carl Wixon and Johnson McKay, and they came together and worked on um, the whole philosophy behind the project, and and talked to us about that, and um, worked together to um, come up with a kaupapa and and gift that Maori name of Ka Toi Toi, which was just amazing. We uh, then expanded to include Mark Easterbrook in terms of. Writing, copywriting, the team at um, Studio South and New Territories, also Nicole in terms of her um, typographic practice. So it was quite a wide range of people there and feeding into it. And over quite a short um, time period from kind of the end of November to February, March, we kind of did all of this work and conceptualising this and naming it and, and, and designing it and getting that the website um, designed and, and working from a back-end perspective. And, uh, yeah, having that seed funding, that pilot funding from Creative New Zealand as, as a capsule project really enable us to trial it. 
we had, I think, 216, 219 complete submissions. Yep. Worked with a cross-section of um, designers from New, um, throughout New Zealand in terms of um, reviewing the work and curating it into 100 um, pieces for the 2020 Car Toy Toy Archive. And then from there, we had um, writers and illustra- um, illustrators kind of look at the work in, in the different um, areas and genres and, and write a series of um, critical essays, which is where it gets really interesting in terms of looking at our country and looking at our society and a period of in time through the lens of design. The whole um, project and the writing series kind of wrapped up like at the, I think, the end of July this year. So now um, Nicole and I are taking some time for that to be digested and let that sit. And then we're going to um, come back together um, at the beginning of next year and um, review the project and, and kind of see what's next for it, really. It's a huge undertaking. Yeah, I, um, I imagine the levels of feedback and critique are being also quite high. And I suppose it's just being able to take that on board and, and, yeah. and use that to kind of create something that the, that the community kind of wants to put together. Yeah. And it's easy when you've kind of spent all this kind of, you know, time and energy and um, commitment on a project to kind of react straight away. Yep. And I think, you know, I had I had some valuable conversations with um, Raul Sarot, who works kind of in the area of um, co-design and, and we quite often have conversations about design assembly and he's um, been involved for a long time in terms of kind of coaching me with the kind of strategic direction of design assembly. And, and you know, his advice really was to do, to do just that, really, just to kind of let it sit for a while and so the heat would come out of it and then, you know, you've got that op- opportunity to be subjective about it and, um, yeah, really do something that... I, I like the way you refer to it. I just, it, it reminds me of, like, Michael Corleone <laughs> going to Italy and just, like, taking, just walking around in Italy for a while before coming back to New York or something. It just, like, <laughs> yeah, the heat well, died down. It's not something that comes naturally to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's easy to react. Um, I'm a people person, so um, I react to um, what people say and think. And I want to, I, you know, you want to do what the community wants and needs. Yeah. It's best for the community. So, you know, that's what's got to come out in the wash, essentially. So it's um, already, it's been great to let that lie and, um, yeah, um, gather some, you know, some proper thoughts around it. And, and would it be looking at probably having some similar kind of output? next year for, for the for this work this year it's all up in the air at the moment yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of future of design assembly or just in general around uh what i'm trying to do is um furthermore make design assembly an independent community so i guess i'm extracting louise out of that um in terms of like thinking that it could run um, independently without you or be events can happen without your input in, yeah in I mean you know like for me the ultimate success is that this thing like shifts changes and and kind of evolves as to the needs of the community so yeah ultimately I want it to be around like past me 30 40 plus years so um yeah I know, suppose yeah I suppose as a there's like as thinking about it as a piece of design it's like if you design something for someone, you want it to be able to last and change and for them to be able to manage it themselves. Um, 
and kind of take you, yourself out of the space as a designer. Like it's like, okay, if a successful design should be one you can hand off and it successfully exists within the space. Or it's, uh, and there's no idea the idea of like a studio of design people doing something and then the in-house team can kind of control that and, and not have to be engaged with the studio. But that like that to me, seems like successful design rather than kind of a business model of relying on people to go backwards and forwards. Like it feels quite analogous to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I mean, you could counteract that with thinking about the fact that the only thing that we can all put into design is ourselves and our differences. Um, So maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's wishful thinking that I can extract myself completely from this. Yeah, I mean, but also, I mean, as 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 kind of an industry thing, you you always think about the times change, and it shouldn't be always about the space. Like whatever's pertinent to the situation is like a different voice is kind of needed in a different time of changing. Many businesses now probably have old schools ways of thinking, and it needs a new change to kind of like implement um, the reflective nature of what, what what the company or country should be should be like now. Yeah, and that and that's why you've got to have you know all sorts of different people yeah working within it. Um, and I know you know as I kind of get older and my my interests um, change and shift as well, um, you know then I can speak to different parts of the community of the community and um, service them in, in that respect. But um, I know it's you know it's so important to engage you know, younger people in the design assembly team in respect to like emerging practitioners as well and, to, and and what's important to them and how they see the world. Yeah, I think there's a great note to end the podcast on. Uh, thanks so much for the time today. Um, it's, it's It was really nice to actually talk about because I mean, there's a lot of things in there that I haven't actually heard before. Well, yeah, I appreciate you um, pushing me to do this and had a relationship that's over 10 years now. And I think that's what I enjoy about our relationship personally and professionally is that we do challenge and, and push each other in different um, directions. So thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much.